Take out your Bible and turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 1. If you're going to look at the life of Moses, then you've got to go to the book of Exodus and you've got to start in chapter 1 because that's where it all begins. Exodus chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse 8. In verse 8. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Kind of the theme tonight is that those who honor God, God will, they will be honored by God. So if you take it upon yourself, your mission in life, to honor the Lord, I'm going to honor God with my life, then you're going to find that God will honor you. When you look at the early life of Moses, you soon realize that, you know, Moses didn't grow up in a perfect environment. He didn't grow up in a Christian home or a home that honored the Lord. Now, he had some influence, praise the Lord for what he had, but it wasn't all godly. And that's, that's comforting to us, isn't it? Because some of us didn't have that experience. Some of us, and of course, I cannot put myself in that because I, I was raised in a godly home, which uh, I am very thankful but some of you might not have. And, but God is merciful and kind and all-powerful. And he can use anyone if they'll give themselves to him. And we find out that here Moses grew up in a, in a world that was uh, really hostile to his people, very hostile. And yet God uh, worked out his plan, regardless of the hostilities of the culture that he was in because that's kind of like today isn't it a little bit Uh, we're living in a culture that's beginning more and more hostile to christianity and we see it all around us and we're we're going boy can it get any worse i say it can Mm -hmm. so but is that the end no it's not the end because our god's greater and i know some of us we have grandchildren And we say, what's going to happen to them? We have children. What's going to happen to them? How are they going to make it? But you know what? There's hope. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. Because Moses, that's the kind of world he had. And if he can make it, we can make it. But it's the heart, right? It's the heart. So notice here it says in verse 8, we'll start this story here. And it says here, there arose a king, a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Things change, right? That verse tells me, if you think everything's going to stay the same forever, you're wrong. That's never the case. Just like here, you know, Joseph and he brought his family to Egypt, and it was good times for them. They enjoyed the great times. And they enjoyed this favored uh, kind of relationship with Egypt. But you know, times change. Not any fault of Israel, not any fault of the Egyptians, but times will change. And we're living in changing times. We'd like to say, well, we'd like to go back to the good old days. <laughs> well, we can't. And we got to live with the change. And so here, there was a change. There grew up a king that didn't know Joseph. Didn't know, you know, he, he didn't care about Joseph. Didn't matter to him about Joseph 
or his people. And so he had an outlook. He had a, he had a, a way of looking at the Jews that was now different. And I think we can kind of appreciate that a little bit now, can't we? In the world in which we're living. So we see here in verse 9, And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when they're fallen out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasured cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake unto the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Sephara and the name of the other Purah. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then shall Ye shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore the God, therefore God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives fear God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So there is the culture. <laughs> There's the, the reality that they're living in, and it's hostile to them. And this is the world in which Moses was born. Someone said his environment did not determine his destiny. His environment, this culture, did not determine who or where he would go. We still serve the same God today, Amen. the same as Moses. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. John chapter 4, verse 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's us who decides. We decide our destiny. We decide whether or not we're going to serve the Lord, regardless of the culture, regardless of what we're facing. And we decide if we're going to honor God. That's a decision you have to make, and I have to make. And we still make that decision. No matter how old you get, no matter where you're at in your life, you still decide, am I going to honor God with my life? Today, let's look at three ways God worked in the, lives of, the life of Moses. Number one, preserved by God. Preserved by God. Notice we see Exodus chapter 2, verse 1 to 9. Now, before we read that, I read that portion where 
when Pharaoh told the midwives to kill the boy children, they refused to do it. They wouldn't do it. And even though they made excuses, they still would not obey Pharaoh. They decided to obey the Lord. And these were not Jewish women. These were Egyptian women. <laughs> okay? So these are people who are deciding that I'm going to honor God. I'm going to do what's right, regardless of what the authority is telling me. And we see somebody else who's deciding to do right, and that's Jochebed. Jochebed, Moses' mother. Now, the Bible says, notice here in verse chapter 2, verse 1, And there went a man out of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took, him for, took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. So here's a woman with a child, who's saying, I cannot go through with my child being executed, my child being put to death. And so she devised a plan. I'm going to make a basket, basket of reeds. I'm going to waterproof that basket. All right, she's going to daub it. She's going to put some waterproofing on it. And then I'm going to put it on the river. And I'm going to let it go. You know, Everything she did, she did herself. It, she was in control, right? She, was, she, she took the baby, made the basket, put it in the basket, waterproofed the basket, put it on the river, but there came a time when she had to let it go. Now, I can't imagine what she went through. I, 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 you know, it must have just, her heart... <laughs> But she knew the only way she could save that child's life was to let it go. What was she doing? She was literally putting it in the hands of God. I mean, it was a step of faith. Because who knows what, you know, what was going to keep that basket upright? What was going to keep it from being knocked over? She, it was a literal step of faith in her life. I don't know if you could imagine being in her shoes and, and just doing what she did. I think she deserves a lot of credit. That woman had a lot of faith to, have, to, to do that and to trust her God. You know, God had a plan for Moses. Now, we look, we look and we say, don't worry about it, Jochebed. It's going to work out. <laughs> right? We read say, go ahead, let him go, let him go. It's all going to work out. But you know, she didn't know that. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know how things were going to work out. But there's faith. She had a step in faith. Just like us sometimes. You ever took a step of faith, trusting God to work it out? You didn't know how it was going to go? You didn't know it was going to go good or bad. You had no idea. Now, we look back now and we say, oh, what was I so worried about? Why was I so afraid? <laughs> because you didn't know. But it was a step of faith in your life. And that's what we see here. God uh, honored this woman. 
She honored God, and God honored her. And so letter A, his parents honored God. They honored God. They would not take the life of their child, and therefore they decided to preserve his life. In doing so, God honored them in his dealings with Moses. When we do what is right, sometimes that'll get you some conflict, won't it? There'll be some conflict when you do the right thing because somebody's not going to like it for one reason or another. And they're going to say, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Because everybody else says that's silly. Everybody else says that just doesn't make sense. And maybe logically in their mind, they're right. It doesn't make sense. But that's faith, isn't it? And how can we get to that point where we can step out by faith? How, how did Jochebed and her husband step out by faith? Well, something had to change their minds. Something had to, to, to give them the ability to say, you know what, this doesn't make sense but we're gonna do it anyways. It's their belief. And somewhere along the line, they were convinced that God wanted them to do that. Now today, what do we have? We have the word of God. That's what Romans chapter 12, verse one and two says. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's the word of God. As we read God's word, as we study God's word, it changes us. It reforms us on the inside. And when we begin to think right, then we can do what's right. And then we can step out by faith and be obedient. His parents were honored by God because they chose to honor God. Let her be his parents were honored by God. His parents honored God and his parents were honored by God. Notice it says in verse five, and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the river's side and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. So here we see that Moses' parents had faith, and God honored them, for their faith. And we know they had faith. How do we know that? Because in Exodus here, it doesn't really talk a lot about their faith. All we see is their outside actions. We see what they're doing. But we don't see the heart. But there's a place we can go to in the Bible that tells us about their heart, can't we? That we can know what their heart was in it. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews is, gives us some commentary and it tells us while we see in Exodus what was going on on the outside, we can see what was happening on the inside. And it's revealed to us 
in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, we know this about faith. This is the, the rule of faith is found in 11 verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So there's the definition of faith, someone who's going to seek God, someone who's going to honor God. Uh, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's basically trusting in something with no evidence <laughs> other than what we have in the Bible. So that's faith. Faith, and so we see the definition of faith, and notice we see in verse 23, okay, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born and was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So there's the, that's the insight. They were saying, we're gonna honor God. We're gonna obey God. We're not gonna let them take our child's life. We're gonna do what we can to keep him from uh, doing that. So they were, they were taking a stand. And God sent someone, the right person. It wasn't a coincidence. <laughs> Everything is planned out by God. Everything is going according to what God wanted. It's not a coincidence that this woman, Pharaoh's daughter, found the child. That was God's plan because that person had compassion, had compassion on Moses. And where did that come from? That came from God. That's what happened there. When she saw that child, as we read, her heart went out to that. Her heart went to that child, and she had compassion on that. She could have said, oh, this is a, hey, get rid of it. <laughs> but she didn't, because she had compassion on that child, and God gave her that compassion. Where does our compassion come from? Now, I know there are some people that are naturally compassionate in, in a way, right? Everybody is, you know, some people are naturally compassionate towards other people. But there's compassion God gives. God gives for those to us so that we can have compassion on some people that maybe we would say, I really don't like them. I, I, really, I have a hard time being nice to them because they're not nice to me. I have a hard time helping that person. And how are we able to overcome those feelings? And we have to be honest, right? We gotta be honest with ourselves. We're human, and we have those feelings. We get mad at people, people upset us. But how can we overcome those feelings? By the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and having that compassion that he gives us Jude 22, Jude verse 22 says, and some have compassion making a difference. And we can have compassion even in the world in which we live. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Jim Elliott. 
Have you ever heard of him? Jim Elliott, have you ever uh, maybe heard of Jane, uh, Saint, uh, rather, <laughs> let me get his name, Nate Saint. This is going back years ago in the 50s. These two men were missionaries, and they went, to a, they went down to Ecuador, and there was a tribe of natives down there that they, people were having a hard time reaching with the gospel. And uh, they were very, they were, they were hostile. And it wasn't just they were hostile to white people or any, but Europeans, they were hostile to anybody because the way they had been treated. There's a little backstory about that. And I won't go into that, but there's a backstory why they were the way they were. But these two men, and they got, they, they got a team together, they got compassion on those people. And they says, we want to reach them for Christ. And they did all sorts of things. Uh, Nate Saint was a pilot, and he flew his plane, and they dropped down gifts trying to, you know, tell the people, we're, we're not your enemy, we're trying to be friends with you. They had found a girl where they could learn some of the language, and so they dropped some things down so they might be able to read it if they could and just telling them what they wanted to do but the day came when they says we got to make contact with these people and they landed their plane along the bank of a river they got out and as they as they got out they these people approached these warriors with uh, spears approached them and they tried to be kind to them. They tried to show compassion, but the warriors were hostile towards that, and they were all slain. All these missionaries were slain, this team. Now, what would drive them to do that? Why would they do that? Why would you put your life at, in, knowing you're in a hostile position, knowing these things could come out? Well, this is what Jim Elliott said, okay? He said this before he died. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So he realized he was willing to lose his life that the gospel might go forward. And if you know, the, there's a little ending of that story. The ending is that after this massacre, the wives themselves took it upon themselves to go and they were able to take the gospel to those pure people. And many of them were saved and uh, received Christ as Savior. Some of the very men who killed these missionaries, they were one to Christ and recognized what, what had happened. And that's compassion. And that's what God put in that woman. When she looked down at Moses, she had compassion on that baby. And that was God-given. So that Moses, because God had a plan for Moses. You know, I think about my life. There's some people who have been very compassionate to me and more than I deserve. And I recognize that. And I think we could all say that, couldn't we? You know, there have been people who have been very compassionate towards us. And uh, when we didn't really deserve it, but they were. And where does that come from? That comes from God. And we need to honor that and remember that, how God is, is so faithful to us. Point number two, prepared for royalty. As I said, God had a plan for Moses, and he's working out this plan. The first part of that plan was saving his life. Here's the second part, his, 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 his bringing up, how they raised him. Notice it says in verse 10. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, and uh, let's read in verse 10 here. 
And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, or she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. So here we see in letter A, he was brought in by Pharaoh's daughter. So obviously, the Bible tells us, for a time there, Jochebed was able to raise her own son. God worked that out in his sovereign will. That's right. The Egyptians paid to do it. So praise the Lord. God's working out that, his will. And we see that. So here he, he, he's raised by this, his own mother who, you know, is so happy to have his, her child thinking he's lucky to be alive. <laughs> and now God's working all these things out according to his will. And he, until the child was old enough, he was adopted and brought into the palace. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. God is so gracious, and he's working out his plan in Moses' life, and he's doing it with all the grace that he can give. And, uh, you know, God has a way of doing that. Uh, there was a story about the Gideon's Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with Gideon's Bible. If you go to a motel, uh, you can get a Bible there, and it's a Gideon's Bible. Maybe I remember when I was in grade six, all right? I think it was in grade six, and you know, grades five or six, they would bring you a Bible. The Gideons would give you a Bible in public school, and you could take that if they were allowed to do it. And I remember receiving one, a Gideon's Bible. Uh, that was their ministry. To date, now this is back a few years, to date, they've delivered over 1.8 billion Bibles around the world. Praise the Lord. God's blessed them and used them in over 190 countries. Uh, there was, sometimes they had a banquet. They'd put on a banquet. I've been to a banquet at the Gideons. Maybe you have. I've been to one of those banquets where they, uh, kind of a fundraiser type of thing, and uh, you, um, you, you, and they kind of tell you about their ministry and things. And I've been to one. Uh, I was invited to come. And so I was there. And there, but 1992, they had this story. The story was about a man who, uh, a Christian man who was in, uh, at the Windsor Hotel in Montreal. And he was there that night, staying overnight in that motel, but he had a burden, had a burden for his son, and his son was lost. His son had, you know, rejected Christianity. And if that's ever happened to you, maybe you have a child here today that uh, you raised them in the things of the Lord and they've turned and gone and uh, rejected Christ. And so you would know how that feeling is. And so he, he was burdened for his son. So he, you know, he picked up the Bible that was there in his motel room and he began to read it. And as the Lord was kind of speaking to him and ministering to his heart, he began to write some notes in the margin of that Bible. Didn't sign his name, but he just wrote those notes. Well, three years later, at that very same motel, his son stayed overnight. And then, he, you know, for that night, he couldn't really, you know, really sleep, and he was going through a depressing time in his life. And so he, he picked up the Bible that was in his room and began to flip through it, and he found those notes, and he recognized his dad's handwriting. 
And he began to read those notes and realize how burdened his dad was for him. And that that, that, that night, he knelt down by his bed and received Christ as a Savior. So yeah, that's God's grace. That's God's grace. And God's working in the lives of his people. And you know, uh, we live in a culture today that says it's who you know that counts, right? It's who you know. That's how you're going to get ahead. That's how you're going to make it, you know. But for us or believers, it's who you trust. Amen. That's the difference. Who you're trusting. Are you trusting the Lord? And are you trusting the Lord for your family? Are you putting your family in the Lord's hands? Are you trusting him to take care of you? And uh, that's what we see here in Moses. You know, it came to a point where Moses Jochebed, again, again, uh, at the river bank, she had to let go of her son. <laughs> and praise the Lord, the Lord gave him back. <laughs> right? God's grace gave him back. And now again, she's got to let him go again. Because now he's going into that palace. And the whole culture of that palace. palace and everything in there. So twice, she had to take a step of faith. And she had to give their, her son over. And let her be, he was brought up by the Egyptians. From that point over, when he, became, when he went into that home, he was in that environment, in that culture. And he was, he was learned in the things of the Egyptians, in their schools, their culture, everything. He was immersed in that. And we know that from Scripture. The Bible tells us that. Uh, over in Acts chapter 7, verse 21 to 22, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So uh, I don't know, did he have tutors? Did he go to school? <laughs> I don't know how it was, how they trained the children there in the palace, but they were taught all the, the wisdom, all the learning, the knowledge that they had, they had they instilled into Moses, and they thought maybe maybe Pharaoh's wife thought Pharaoh's daughter thought I'm going to prepare Moses to be a leader in Egypt. That's probably her desire, right? I'm going to train my son to be a leader and to learn these things and and to be used in this great kingdom of Egypt. But God had a different plan, Amen. didn't He? God says, "Well, you can go ahead and train him." Well, he's going to be a different purpose. He's going, to be a, he's going to be a deliverer. Again, what do we see there? We see God's sovereign, God's sovereignty. God was working. God had a plan for this young man, Moses, and God's working it out. And number two, pull to his people. The day came when the, God took the next step in this plan, all right? Notice it says in verse 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. So here Moses, he, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's now beginning to think, he's now beginning to, to comprehend, and he's recognizing these are my people. And now he's starting to identify with them. So letter A, he's willing to leave the palace. And we know that. We know he came to a point in his life where he decided, I can't stay here. This is not me. 
I'm not this. And we know that from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 27. And in that passage, it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. There came a point in his life when he, had to, when he made a decision that I'm gonna identify with God's people, the Hebrews. And he did. Letter B, he was willing to defend his people. Notice it says in verse 12, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, therefore, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said unto them that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses thought he was doing right. He thought he was helping, but he wasn't. He had an anger problem. <laughs> Even though God's working in his life, he still has his own problems, doesn't he? He's got to change, and he's got to deal with anger, and we're going to find out this man who had an anger problem is going to become the most meekest man in the Bible. So God can change, right? God can change you. But we'll look at that later. But for now, Moses, is he out of God's will? Is God done with him? No. No. He made a mistake. Yeah, he made a big mistake. He's got a problem, but God's not done. And God's going to bring it all together. Yeah, that's hope for us, isn't it? You know, we, we all make mistakes. We're not perfect. But just because we make a mistake doesn't mean God's put us aside. God can still use us. Even though we're not perfect, God can still use us if we'll just give ourselves to him and honor him and obey him in what he says uh, because uh, God has a plan. And we believe in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for good <laughs> to them who are called according to his purpose. That's us. That's the believers. And he can take that which is bad and make it good and work it out for his will. And that's what he's going to do with Moses. It seems like Moses is done, but God's not finished. He's got 40 years to learn and train and bring him to that place where he's ready. In conclusion tonight, God stands ready to work mightily on our behalf in spite of our mistakes or past experience. Maybe you're, maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, boy, I don't know if I could serve God. I don't know if I could do anything because of my past or because of the way I am or because of my age or because of whatever. Hey, that means nothing. God can use anybody. Amen. We just have to give ourselves to him because he has a plan and he can work out that plan in your life but you need to determine like Moses' parents you need to determine I am going to honor God regardless of the culture I'm in regardless of the circumstances I'm facing I'm going to honor God with what God wants me to do and that's the secret honoring him and if we'll honor him he will honor us let's bow our heads in prayer dear lord thank you again for this opportunity to look into your word we pray that you would uh, now bless us as we go to our time in prayer 
And uh, Father, we just pray that you would look at all of our life. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for the compassion that we've received at the hands of our Savior and those around us. Lord, thank you for uh, just continuing to, to work in our lives. Now, Father, we pray that you'd bless us here tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.